Merry Christmas. Glad you guys are here. Seacoast dresses up nicely. You guys look great uh, today on this Christmas Eve. I'm honored to be here with you. My name is Josh. If I haven't met you yet, I serve as a campus pastor here. We're glad you're here in the room. Uh, glad for those of you that are joining us at any one of our 13 locations. We're honored that you guys are with us as well. And if you are watching from somewhere bunkered down in a bomb cyclone, we're glad you're here as well. I got a text from one of my pastor friends from Ohio earlier today, and they just had pipes bursting and water going everywhere. And so it's cold here, but it could be worse. Uh, but we're here and we made it. And I hope you're finished with all your Christmas shopping. Uh, if not, uh, check out the bookstore because you don't have a lot of options left at this point. But, uh, but how many of you would agree that being in the right place at the right time can produce the right result in your life? Anybody agree with that statement? Some of you guys have stories, testimonies on being in the right place at the right time. I was thinking about that idea and reminded of myself, a story in my life. I was 18 years old. I was born in Freeport, Illinois, Northern Illinois, and had moved to Charleston, South Carolina, but I was skiing with some friends in uh, North Carolina, Sugar Mountain, North Carolina. And as we were going down the, the hill, uh, my friends, there were about five of us, my other friends all took a left turn. I took a right turn. And I lost them. And so I skied down to the bottom and I'm trying to get back on a lift and go back up to the top of the mountain and find my friends again. And I ski up into the line and I get paired up next to this cute little blonde girl wearing a purple ski jacket and black ski pants. And so I start to get to know her a little bit. We get on the lift. It's just a two person lift and the lift breaks. And so now we're stuck on this lift and I'm, I'm learning her story. One thing that I learned about her is that she was dating a guy back in Charleston. She's from Florida. Uh, but was dating a guy in Charleston who was not in the right place at the right time uh, in that particular moment. <clears throat> An hour and a half later, uh, we finally get to the top of the mountain, and I had just connected with this, this person. And 25 years later, uh, that person, her name was Lisa Barr at the time. Now it's Lisa Surratt, because I was in the right place at the right time. You know, come on, somebody. And listen... If you are in the right place at the right time, you too could steal somebody else's girlfriend and it, it could work out great. I had somebody come to me in a prior service and say, did you really? That's no, we, we didn't start dating right away. But over time, we got to know each other and, and she wisened up uh, to what was best for her too. So right place at the right time. I, I heard some cool stories. I was just thinking about this example uh, and, and looked up some stories, some examples of, of right place, right time. Dorothy Fletcher had a heart attack on a flight to Orlando in 2003. When an attendant asked if there were any doctors on board, 15 cardiologists stood up. They were on their way to a cardiology convention. How I many you know she had a heart attack at the right place, right time? She's doing just fine today because uh, it happened at the right place at the right time. Uh, there was a couple, uh, David Zentner and his wife were flying on their Cessna 182 uh, in their, their city, and they, they flew over their home in 2012, when they noticed a stranger in the driveway making off with their trailer. So they followed that truck for several miles, called the police, and that hapless robber ended up in jail because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But they were in the right place at the right time. And, and, and what does any of that have to do with Christmas, you might be asking? Well, the Christmas story really is all about God intersecting with humanity at the right place at the right 
time. In fact, look how this next verse, Galatians 4.4, describes uh, the events of Christmas. It says, but when the set time had fully come, when the time was right, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. At just the right time, Jesus was born. And you know what? It's December 24th, and the time is, is now. You're here. I don't know what it took for you to get to church today. Uh, for me, our, our water pipes were frozen this morning, so the showers were a little bit cold. And uh, maybe you're here because you lost power. And that's the only reason you came is because it's air conditioning and heated in here. But, but whatever it is, whatever your journey is to get here, you're here. And I believe you're in the right place. And I believe the time is right for God to speak to us out of his word. And I want to show you in the Christmas story how it really was about God coming at the right time in the right place. And I asked for a little help reading the story. So would you guys welcome my nine-year-old daughter, uh, Ellie, as she comes to the stage. She's going to read us part of the Christmas story. And while she's reading, I want you to just notice beyond her cuteness, uh, the, the, the number of times you see places and times in, in the story of the birth of our Savior. Hi. Um, at the time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral? Anse you, you nailed it. <laughs> Half of these people wouldn't have known that word, babe. You're crushing it. <laughs> Towns. Ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant, a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judah, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazar Nazareth in Galilee. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Great job, girl. Thank you. So great. It's, it's really cheating uh, as a public speaker when you bring a cute little girl up to just read the, read the Bible story. But, but did you notice Bethlehem, Nazareth, Judea, Syria? You've got all this location. You know, we think sometimes about the story of the Bible as, you know, in a galaxy far away a long, long time ago. But the reality is that God came to a specific place at a specific time with a specific purpose. And I've been to Israel a handful of times, and if you know much about ancient history, you know, today we think of the world as broken up east and west. You know, we, if we're in America or Western Europe, they refer to us as the West, and then you've got, you know, Eastern Europe, and you've got the Asia, and you've got the East. Well, it was really flipped upside down in the ancient world, not physically, but you had north and south. That's the way the world was divided. And the, the main passageway, the main highway that went from the north to the south ran through this tiny little country on the Mediterranean Sea called Israel. And you think about God choosing Israel and Bethlehem, it was the primary pathway where stuff, goods were transported and, and information was transported from the north to the south. If you had a message of good news that you wanted to get out to the whole world, 
you would have chosen that place because that was the, the crossroads of the world. And then in a specific place, specific time. I want to share a couple of thoughts for you about time and place as it relates to the, the Christmas story uh, as we jump into it. The first thought for you is that things work better in life when they're in the right place. Things work better in your life when they're in the right place. Do I have anybody in the house that you are one of those people that everything in your home has a place and it needs to be in the right place, right? Okay, it's good. You can confess that. It's good. Things work better, right? You're like, it doesn't, I don't know why it doesn't make sense to my spouse that if things are in the right place, life is less stressful. We have a place for our keys. And, you know, every morning, as long as they're in the right place, we don't have problems. But when they're not, not in the right place, you know, the world ends, right? We're, we're frantically trying to figure out where are they? Where are we going to find, you know? And, and the same is true of our lives. And so, so what I want to do is I want to use the nativity scene uh, to help us kind of process the idea of things being in the right place. I love a nativity scene because you've got a, a group of people that's really as diverse as the people in this room that have all come together in this scene uh, for, for one purpose. And the only way that a nativity scene really works is if you have the right person in the center, right? The right person in the middle. Who is the star of the nativity scene? You guys can help. Audience presentation. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad you guys got that right here in church. Amazing. Jesus. We've got Jesus in the center. The only thing that would draw these shepherds and this family and these wise men who weren't actually there, by the way, it's, it's the hallmark version of the nativity. Uh, they came a couple years later. But the only thing that would draw those people together is, is this baby, Jesus. And the question that I have for you is, what is at the center of your nativity scene? Not the one at your home, or you overachievers, the one, some of y'all have them in your yard, you know, it's amazing. I know that Jesus is probably in the center of that one, but when you think about the nativity scene of your life, of your values, of your priorities, where is Jesus? What place does he have in your life? And I know that we're in church today, and uh, most of us that are here, you know, we're, we're, we're here, we've got some desire to have Jesus involved in our life and God involved in our life. And, but I wonder if for many of us, if we haven't relegated Jesus over here to the periphery, you know, it's not that you don't want him involved. It's just that you're not sure that you want him in the middle or you're not sure even what it would look like for Jesus to be in the middle of your story. You know, as I've been processing this, been thinking about some things that in my life, and maybe this doesn't apply to you, but there are some things that, that compete for the center in my life. One of them would be these shepherds. You know, I think about the shepherd. I wonder if for some of us, we don't have the shepherd in the center of our nativity. What do I know about this guy? He's a hard worker, right? The shepherds were out in the fields at night shift, right? They were on third shift. They were working the fields. They were hard workers, blue collar, going after it. And I wonder if for some of us, we haven't placed our work in the center of our nativity. We don't start off that way, right? Nobody growing up as a kid is like, man, I'm going to put work before everything else. It's going to be amazing, right? But then you get into it, right? And, and, and maybe you are going after that promotion and, and, and then you, you get, you're going after the next one. And all of a sudden you found yourself in a place where work has become the most important central thing in your life. And, and by the way, I, I love work. 
I think work is important. We just did a six-week series here at Seacoast on the importance of, of work and how God can be involved in our work. So it's not about minimizing work, but when work is the center, it doesn't work right. You know, when it's not set up right, it doesn't work right. And the same is true of our lives. When it's not set up right, it doesn't work right. And work will never be sufficient in the center. Some of us, we, we struggle with putting work in the center. If you're married to somebody who puts work in the center, just shove them right now with you. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. I don't want to get you in trouble on Christmas. But for some of us, maybe it's not the, the shepherd. Maybe it's the, the wise man. You know, this guy was wealthy. He was successful. I even think about adventure. I mean, who drops everything to go on a two-year road trip to follow this star to find Jesus? I mean, it's a sense of adventure. And I wonder for some of us, if, if we haven't placed this desire for success, wealth, clicks and likes as the central thing in our lives. And I don't know what drives that or motivates that. For some of us, it goes back to, you know, our childhood and maybe expectations that a dad or a mom had on us, but we just find ourselves striving and striving to be successful and to make it whatever it happens to be. We end up spending money we don't have to impress people that we don't even like, but success is just a driver for us in our lives. And I have the gift of perspective because of what I do and ministry. I have the gift of being able to spend time with, with, with people in their latter moments of life. And, and I hear very frequently the sentiment that says, man, I just wish that I hadn't spent so much time chasing success and chasing work and really missed out on the gifts that God had put in my life. Is success at the center for you? I believe for some of us, it probably competes for that. Others of us, we don't put the wise man or the shepherd. We put the, the animals in the center. What, what do these represent in the nativity? For many of you, you're animals. I've seen your Instagram. Uh, some of y'all have animals with more followers than I have on Instagram. But no, for, for the sake of our conversation today, I think about the animals as distraction, just distraction. Would you agree we live in a very distracted culture? You know, we, we, we sit down at dinner with our family and we're all of our faces in our phones and there's always another news story or election cycle or something to grab a hold of our attention. Uh, our phones are buzzing. Some of you are already in church. It's been buzzing and you're like, oh, you know, checking it or wanting to check it. It's just the world we live in. I wonder if for this generation, when we look back on our, our, our past, when we're, we're in our latter days, if it won't be more of, man, I just wish that I hadn't been so distracted. I feel like I missed my kids, or I missed the seasons because there was so much coming after our attention. Distraction can become central for us. For, for some of us, it's, it's not the animals, but it's, it's Mary. What does Mary represent? I love Mary, mother of Jesus, but it represents our family. It represents our relationships. Maybe that boyfriend or that girlfriend, that friendship. And again, we, we love relationships. We want you to be successful. We want you to have a good work life. But when we put relationships central, we begin to put expectations on another person that only God can meet. We find ourselves pursuing love or value or esteem that only God can fully satisfy in our lives. And, and our families make, make great gifts from God, but they make terrible gods themselves. 
And I wonder for some of us, the tension that we've been feeling in a relationship, maybe with a spouse or even with our kids, is because they're in the center and they don't belong there. That they can't handle being in the center. I wonder if for some of us, part of what has been unraveling in our lives is that we aren't set up right. We don't have the right thing in the center. One other thought that could be the vying for the center for you is, is the star. I think about the star. The star for me represents religion. Religion. You know, it's us trying to find our way to God. If I'll do the right things, if I'll read my Bible more, if I'll pray more, if my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds, maybe I'll find myself in a place where, where I can get closer to God, which is the exact opposite of what the Christmas story is about. You know the difference between Christianity and any other religion? Every other religion is trying to help you find your way to God, and Christianity is that God knew that we couldn't, so he came to us, Emmanuel, God with us at just the right time. And so many of us, we get into a church service like this and we feel like, well, we just need to clean ourselves up in order to, to look the part and be the part to find good standing with God. And, and Romans says that while we were still sinners, like before you cleaned your life up, God died for you. God came. See, when we put anything else in the center, it doesn't work right. It doesn't work right. So my question for you today is this, what place does Jesus have in your life this Christmas? Is he just kind of around the periphery and we see our, our, our world blowing up or we see us dealing with these challenges and we're tempted to go, God, where are you in this? And I wonder if you would say, I'm right where you put me, kind of off to the side. My prayer for us today is that we would say, you know what, wherever you are and whatever that looks like for you, Let's choose to put Jesus in the center of our lives because things work better when they're in the right place and our life will work better. In fact, Jesus, he came, he grew up. I'm not just talking about the six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus that uh, Ricky Bobby taught us about in Talladega Nights, right? But Jesus came as a, a king, as a savior. He established a kingdom that is so countercultural to the one that we live in today. They said, hey, if you want to gain everything in life, you have to be willing to lose it. You want to be important in this life, you have to be willing to become a servant. He turned it upside down. And here's what he said in Matthew 6, verse 31 through 33. He said, therefore, don't be anxious saying, what are we going to eat or what can we drink or what are we going to wear? All the things that we typically worry about, all those other things that God wants to bless, but they don't need to be centered. He said, the Gentiles seek after all those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those other things will be added to you. What's in the center matters. What's in the center matters. We seek Jesus first, and he's going to take care of us. That is not mean that we aren't going to have problems. We live on planet Earth. This is a fallen place, right? And some of us are pursuing Jesus, and we're still going to deal with trials. It's not that, that we, we get a guarantee of a, a trial-free life, but we get a guarantee of God's presence in the midst of whatever trial that we face. And he's going to take care of our needs. He's a good father. So what place does Jesus have 
in your life this Christmas? What if 2023 was a year that you really went after him? So you know what? I'm going to put Jesus first this year. We'd love to help you with that. We're doing a series uh, in, in January where we're, we're going to talk all about putting Christ at the center. You know, he doesn't want to be the center of one hour on Sunday morning. He wants to be the center of our lives. Our entire lives work better when we put him first. I challenge you to try it. Try it for a month. Tell me if life doesn't work better when things are in the right place. A second thought for us is that common places can become holy at the right time. Common places can become holy at the right time. I want to go back to my story of meeting Lisa. You know, we go back, if we were to go back to Sugar Mountain today, and we were to go down to that bottom lift, you know what we would see? We'd see a whole bunch of people that jump on that lift and don't think anything else about it. It's just a functional thing to get them from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain. But if we were there, be like, this is holy ground. We'd be taking selfies. We'd be posting. We'd be talking about because what is common to everybody else is very meaningful to us. It's set apart for us because of what happened in that space. And you have your own versions of that story, right? Of meaningful things that happen in a certain place. And that place becomes holy for you. Part of it is the church. Part of why the church is holy is, man, this is the moment where God met me in this spot or that couple prayed for me in that spot. And, and we remember it and the common things become holy. And I love in the Christmas story how, how many common things become holy. I want to continue to read where Ellie left off in the Christmas story. In verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Guess what? Very common. <laughs> Very normal. That's what they did for a living. That was their normal day to day. But suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you're going to recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of other angels. If you can imagine this scene. The armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I, I want to ask you something. Do you think that the next time those shepherds went out to that field, that it was just another common field? No, it's like this is the spot where the angel came. This is the location where God showed up. Bethlehem. A pretty common town. This is not, I mean, I don't want to burst your bubble. We sing about, oh, little town of Bethlehem. We just got back from Israel. We stopped into Bethlehem. We got some friends that were in Israel. It's not a very impressive town, is it? I mean, it's, it's a pretty common place. It's located in the West Bank of Israel. Palestinian run, pr predominantly uh, Islamic in nature. Good people. They do good work, all that. But, but you wouldn't be going to Bethlehem because it's Bethlehem. Yet... Thousands of people show up to Bethlehem every single day. Why? Because God showed up there. You go to the Church of the Nativity, which is built on top of what is believed to be the caves where Jesus was born, and it's like, wow, this is holy. What makes Bethlehem holy is not, you know, the work that's done there. It's the fact that God showed up. 
I think about the manger that Jesus was, was laid in. If I got a picture of a manger. Uh, I, again, I hate to burst your bubble. It's not a, a wooden deal with a bunch of straw. It's actually a, a concrete uh, deal. It would be in a home. Um, by the way, there was no inn uh, in the whole story. There's not a hotel, which is a bummer for guys like me. I played the innkeeper in the church play back in the day, but there really was no inn. It was, it was a home. Uh, they, were, they were all coming back to, to their hometown. There were a lot of people there, and there wasn't a room set aside for them, so they would have been in the front of the, the room. Guess what else stayed in the front of a home? Their animals. Why would they bring their animals inside the house? You don't leave your car unlocked, you know, in downtown area, right? It's, this was their livelihood, and so they brought them in, and they had these mangers that they would eat from, but they would also separate the, the people from where the animals were, and so it was a very common thing that we now sing about 2,000 years later because it's made holy because God showed up there. And in our lives, those things that are common for us can become holy when God shows up. See, when Jesus is in the center of our lives, we never know when the next holy moment might be. We just have to pay attention to it. And, you know, the church isn't the only place where you can encounter the presence of God. We believe that your living room, that place, it's pretty common. It's where you catch your Netflix shows. It's where you make, get your morning coffee in the morning. Did you know that place could be holy for you? It could be set apart for you. In fact, tomorrow, if you come to church uh, tomorrow morning, which is a Sunday morning, Christmas morning, uh, we ain't going to be here. Uh, we've been here the last couple days. Um, but did you know your living room could be holy tomorrow morning? Could be set apart. In fact, we've created a, an online devotional for you. It'll be about a 10, 10 to 15 minute deal. My father, our founding pastor, Greg Surratt, uh, did a devotional for us. Our, our worship team did a couple of Christmas carols. What if tomorrow, before you do whatever's traditional for you to do, what if y'all gathered in the living room, hopped online, and just took a few moments to go, God, we're making this place holy. We're inviting your presence in to our living room. Did you know you can invite God's presence into your marriage? Did you know that you can invite God's presence into your work and into your dreams and into your families? And what is common can become holy. So we believe that things work better in life when they're in the right place. That common places can become holy at the right time. I have one more thought for you, and it's not a point. It's a question. What if the time for you is now? What if the time for you is now? You know, the further removed I get from that moment of meeting Lisa on the ski slopes, the more meaningful that moment becomes. You know, it's like perspective that you gain from just, wow, that was a big deal. Like everything in my life is different because of that moment. What if you were in one of those moments right now? You know, what I found out with Lisa is that we had actually been in the same place multiple times before that, but we didn't meet because the time wasn't right. And I thank God for that because I was in a different place. I had a different attitude about God, about women, about all of that. God had gotten a hold of my heart about two months before I met Lisa. And when I see the hand of God, I'm like, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't meet her then because she wouldn't have wanted to be with me that version of me. But when the time was right and the place was right and God showed up, everything changed.
And maybe you've done the church thing a lot in your journey. Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you've come to some Christmases or you've been to some weddings and funerals. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't stuck with you. But I had this overwhelming sense as I was preparing for today that God wanted for some of you to know that this is the time and this is the place. Would you be willing to trust him? Would you be willing to say, you know what? I don't know what all it means and, and you're definitely going to make mistakes. We all do. But I'm going to put God first this Christmas. I want to go into this next year differently than I approached this last one. What if the time for you was now? I love Paul. He was talking to the Corinthian church and he said to them in this last verse on the outline sheet, he said, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. I beg you not to, to see this gift of Jesus' presence in our lives and ignore it. He said, for God said, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. May that be true for us. What place does Jesus have in your life this Christmas? Would you be willing today to say, you know what? I want to put him in the middle. I want to put him in the center. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me as we close? Father, I thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. God, we thank you that you came. When we couldn't get to you, you found us, an obscure little town in Israel. And Lord, some of us are here today and we feel maybe forgotten or obscure. We feel like we, we, we don't know how to get to you. And I thank you, Lord, that you have found us here, right where we're at. And God, today, I know for me, I'm choosing to put you in the center. I'm sorry for the ways that I've allowed other things to get in the center. And I'm choosing today to put you in the center of my life. Would you lead us? Would you help us? For Lord, the people that are here today that maybe are hurting, that are facing uh, the first Christmas since the loss or the change that's happened in their life, we just pray, God, that you would comfort them today, that they would be seen by you, that just like that scripture read, that you would hear their prayers. And for anybody that's here today that would say, hey, I just, I need to put Jesus in the center. As we continue to have our heads bowed and eyes closed here and at the campuses, feel led to just make an invitation for you. If you're here today, and again, maybe he was in the center at one point, but, but there's been some drift in your life, or maybe he's never been the center for you. It doesn't really matter what got you to this point. But if you're here today and you would say, Josh, I want you to pray for me. I want to put God in the center of my life. Would you just raise your hand for me? I just want to pray for you. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Awesome. Amazing. At the campus as well. Just raise your hand. Lord, you see us. Lord, you don't even just see our hands, but you see our story and you see our heart. 
Lord, today we're choosing to put you in the center. Thank you for coming. Thank you for dying on a cross for our sin. Thank you for loving us. Lord, we want to follow you in the best way that we know how. Would you save us? Would you revive us? Would you fill us with your presence and the strength that we need to live out the purposes that you have for us? We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, we're going to respond to God. And if you're new to Seacoast, this might be a little strange for you, but people are going to get up and start moving in some different areas. We're going to do about five minutes, one song. And we really just want to ask you, what's God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? And for some of us, we, we may go to the crosses, and that may represent what was in the center for you up until this moment. Could be that you've placed your family or work or desire for success, whatever that is, it's become too central for you, and you're going to go to the cross and just write that out and pin it up on the cross. And in doing so, you're saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm giving this to you. I want to seek you first and trust you that you're going to take care of my needs. Some of us are going to take communion. There's communion stations that are set up throughout here. And at Seacoast, you don't have to be a member of our church to receive communion here. You only have to have put your trust and faith in Jesus and become a follower of Christ. And you can come and receive the bread and dip it in the juice just to, to say thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. You know, there are candles that are in the back and we're going to light our candles that you have on your seats here in just a moment. So wait on that. But some of you, especially if you maybe are just going through a tough time this Christmas, maybe there's, there's an empty seat at the table tomorrow for the first time. Maybe your status has changed with work or with a relationship, and it's just everybody around you seems to have a smile, but you don't feel the joy. And I want you to know that we see you, we recognize that not everybody is in the same place here, but I would encourage you to go light a candle. And my prayer for you is you light a candle and think about the light of Christ and the hope of Christ, that he would flood you with his peace, with his comfort, and with his joy. And we're going to sing and we're going to celebrate about an awesome God who loves us so much. So what's God saying to you? Let's respond to him together.